Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I know you've got uh, a lot going on, um, you know, storied background uh, from, you know, working on teams with Star, Sony, Disney, uh, you know, major cable channels for OTT delivery, such as Bloomberg, A&E, History Channel, Newsy, Euro News, and more. Um, and kind of onto what you do today with Bespoke TV. Uh, would love for you to maybe just introduce yourself and uh, maybe a little bit about uh, what you're working on. So, yeah, my background is kind of varied. I didn't, uh, I heard this recently that most entrepreneurs take a drunken walk through their career. Um, and I definitely, I definitely get that. Um, it started out, um, actually started out in the family business, then went in and um, in my 20s, opened a nightclub in New York City. And um, <clears throat> then got into entertainment. And that led me to what I'm doing today, which is a, a digital television channel called Bespoke TV. We, what we found was that um, YouTube creators were getting better and better in front of the camera. And so we started licensing their content to give it a second life over television by creating 22 minute, well, 30 minute television shows. That's fantastic. And so maybe walk us through like kind of your, uh, you know, what were you like, I guess, you know, as a kid, like, were you always into like media or like, you know, how did you kind of transition, I guess, into what you're doing today? Yeah, I, it's funny, my pediatrician, the story goes when I was a baby, I would cry a lot at night. And so the pediatrician told my mom to just put a TV in the corner of the room and turn it on. Thus, yes, I have always loved television. And then in my teens, I really got into music. And um, so, yeah, I've always loved film and television and um, music. Yeah. And today with Bespoke TV, you know, maybe like walk us through like, you know, I know you're, you're in a lot of homes and you work with brands. You know, what, what's like the core thing that you do and, and who's the customer? So our customers, anyone who doesn't have the time to go deep dive into YouTube and likes beauty, fashion, and lifestyle programming. And on the brand side, really, we're trying to open up television for direct-to-consumer brands to get in into television earlier in their maturation. Because right now, the only time you can get into television if you're a brand is once you've broken out. It's just too expensive. Also, it's not just the expense of the ad buy, but it's having someone or having someones within the organization who can understand television buying, understand how that attribution can actually work. It's a lot, it's a lot of heavy lifting, and we've taken all that heavy lifting out. So our data looks a lot like what a direct-to-consumer brand would look at from um, Facebook, Instagram, and um, <clears throat> Google. Excuse me. And from a kind of just pandemic standpoint, have you seen an acceleration of um, maybe the amount of consumption or brands kind of flocking from, you know, other advertising channels? Like what's the mix of, uh, I guess, like more saturation in this space because there's just, you know, more, I guess, in consumption and more awareness for it versus like, um, you know, before the pandemic, was it just inevitable? Did it speed up your business? How do you, how do you think about, um, growth? I think we, we definitely grew a lot quicker, um, with you, you people watching, you know, our, we're probably a year further along in our business plan 
than where we where we expected to be a year and a half when we kind of put it on paper a year and a half ago. And that's just because people are sitting home and and they've gone through everything. I mean, there is no you know September premieres. Uh, I mean, if we're lucky, we're going to get premieres on network television October November. Some not until 2021, and the unique thing about the content that we're licensing is that it can be made like we're making it now. You know, everyone can do it from their home. So it doesn't limit their ability to produce new content. And what about like team? How did, how did your team kind of come together? Um, you know, how did you kind of, I guess, you know, how'd you get started with the company? What were like the first things you did? So um, I, I had a digital agency, digital marketing agency, and met who's now my co-founder he was he has a um a hair tool company and i was saying to him because he had a studio in his facility that because in that hair world you know doing tutorials is how you sell that product and i was like you're doing all these videos what are you doing with them after they have a life on um you know youtube or social media it's like you know nothing and i said well you really should start an ott channel and then we started talking and it was like, well, why should I start? It's not going to be that interesting if it's an OTT channel based on my tool company's product. And then we got to the point where you said, why don't we start an OTT channel or a digital network based on content creators on YouTube? And that's how it started. And then we've been really fortunate. Our team has come together um, organically. And one of our, one of our people, our uh, team, she came through an internship. We hired her. She was finishing. We hired her right after the internship was over. Um, we found someone else. It took about six or seven times, but Upwork, we found um, our, our traffic and scheduling person. And then our executive uh, producer, we found because her uncle hosted something on LinkedIn about her graduating I'm not following, we're not even connected, but I was looking at a uh, hashtag and I sent her a message and said, are you interested in doing this? And she had got, she just graduated from NYU. The pandemic had happened and she said, yeah. And so she's producing four shows right now. What's um, something you learned in the digital agency world that you apply to uh, the space that you're in now? Uh, consistency. Yeah. If you're, Marketing is all about being consistent, whether it's your message or putting your message out there. Um, and it's the same thing here. It's, you know, if every day you're not doing something to add value and move the ball forward, you're missing it. You miss an opportunity. You don't get, I don't get today back. None of us do. And you said the entertainment business or a nightclub, would you say nightclubs? You were in that world. Yeah. What did you, what do you, what did you learn in that space? Perception is reality. Um, you know, if you, you know, if you keep a bunch of people standing outside trying to get in and there's only three people inside, everyone outside thinks the place is packed. And it's not something that I started, but it was uh, Steve Rebell who had, was one of the um, owners of Studio 54 was, was legendary for that. Like you'd walk into Studio 54 and there could be six people in a 20,000 square foot space and a thousand people outside. So... That and, and also consistency. You know, if you give people what they want on a consistent basis, they'll keep coming back. Yeah. And um, 
I guess from like a marketing standpoint now, like how do you all think about getting the word out? Like how do you sort of, you know, you're getting clients, you get in front of people. How do you sort of, uh, you know, what's the best thing to having people kind of, you know, discover your platform and kind of sign up? So we're, we're in a unique position because we're licensing to third party distributors. So those distributors do a lot of the heavy lifting to tell their, their audience that they've added another channel because it adds value to what they're doing. And then layered upon that, we have, you know, our content isn't content that didn't have a life beforehand. So those creators have an audience that they tell about it. And it's actually cool because now they can say eight o'clock on Tuesday night, I'm on bespoke TV and you can go to your television and watch me there. So that, and then we're using, you know, we're using digital and we're doing some out of home um, advertising, you know, billboards, things like that. But we're, we're really fortunate in that respect. Where are those billboards located? <laughs> well, in the 12 over the air markets. So like Los Angeles, um, Boise, Idaho, Chicago, Orlando, um, San Francisco. I'm going to forget the other places, but we have 12 over the air markets, meaning that, you can get bespoke TV with a television antenna, with a digital antenna That's in awesome. those markets. I have to talk to you a little bit about those billboards and uh, where they go after they're out of service, <laughs> after this. <Yes. laughs> that's, my, that's my world. Um, so what do you think is like the biggest challenge um, that you kind of see like in the market? Is it, um, you know, is there a time horizon that's a challenge? Is it, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, operations, you know, going in the direction that you want? Like, what are some of the like hurdles that you have to, I guess, overcome in your business? I mean, the biggest challenge is getting people to watch the network consistently. That's, that's a big one. And another challenge is every, even though, even though we have creators that have, you know, a hundred million views on YouTube, does that translate long, 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 long term? to um, a television uh, experience. We, we think it is, it seems to be, but we don't know. And then, you know, how do you get in front of enough direct-to-consumer brands to get to critical mass and have enough advertisers? See, our advertising, we advertise to um, the big brands. We don't, have to, we don't have to do that. That's done um, through, a, uh, through a DSP, through a marketplace. So that's just automated. We put our inventory up there. They look at it and they say, yes, we're interested. Um, so the direct-to-consumer connection, that's a lot of heavy lifting because it's, you know, it's a lot of dial and smile and dial. And, you know, just, again, I hate to keep coming back to it, but it's consistency. You know, my, my goal every day is to make 25 touches to potential customers. Love and that. I, yeah. And I actually, I literally have a spreadsheet that I, X out the number after I make the connection for that, you know, for that day. And you've been in the fundraising world and you've been able to kind of work with different uh, so, like funding options. Like what's been your experience, I guess, on the kind of, you know, funding the business, you know, communicating with investors, that kind of thing. Like um, what's maybe some tips or advice on, uh, uh, you know, uh, rounding up the the hat. I can't, I don't know why I'm having a hard time getting this out. Um, <laughs> what's been like the, uh, you know, 
what makes it easy to round up the cattle. I guess mean, so I'm trying to say herd up the cattle. <laughs> it, well, there's nothing easy about it. it it's, yeah. not, um, it's not an easy process. Um, you know, yes, we, I've done a lot of different forms of uh, fundraising. Right now, we're actually doing a fundraise through um, Republic that's a um, crowdfunding, you know, crowd equity. Um, we also directly raised from investors and I'm also raising from institutional investors alongside this. Um, you know, first of all, the key is, can you, can you explain your value proposition quickly? You know, a couple of sentences. And it's not as easy as one would think. It's been the bane of my existence for the last six months. Um, I think we've gotten it close enough that people are responding, but I'm sure that if you talk to me six months from now, I'm going to tell you that we've figured it out. We figured out even more. Um, and the thing about being a CEO is you're always looking for funding, whether it's by increasing sales or by going out for outside investment, but you're never done because you know, the growth, the acceleration of the company is based on how much cash, free cash you can put into the company. You know, for a company like ours, we could go from four, from 12 over the air channels to 100 if we have the funding in, you know, in, in a month, in 12 months, as opposed to 36 months. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. but Yeah, no, that's great. What about um, just general entrepreneurship? What are some like key traits, characteristics? Like, did you ever have like a job, like a traditional job where you, you worked, had a boss or something or like? No. Yeah, you know, I, not not. I mean, like when I was four, 15, 16, you know. Um, but no, I've always I've always worked as you know. And there's some good and bad, you know. I mean, being in a traditional job, and then you know, uh, there's some value to that. You make connections. You have you know you have understandings that you're not having to figure it out all yourself. Um, yeah, I mean. If I had to do it over again, I would have gone to a school like Berkeley. I would have uh, become friends with everyone and gone into the Haas Business School and then gotten a job for you know two years at Facebook, if I was doing it today, two years at Google, and then two years somewhere else and then started my company and basically would have you know called up angels and they would have given me the money just because of those three, you know, four things. Yeah. Um, with a good idea and you know, but I think entrepreneurship is, I always see people that come out of corporate, the corporate world and go into entrepreneurship. And one of the things that happens when you're an entrepreneur is that you can have a great day and a terrible day in the same day. <laughs> and, you know, and in the corporate world, they set up boundaries, you know, they set up roads, um, like they, they set up uh, boundaries so that you don't crash and burn, but you don't, you can't go as fast and you can't rise as fast and as high, but you're not going to blow yourself up unless you do something insane. Whereas when you're running a company, you know, you, you can't let the highs get you too excited and you can't let the lows get you too down. And you also can't let either one of those stop you from doing the blocking and tackling that needs to be done every single day. You know, you close a big deal, that's, a, that's the time you need to call up the person who you've been, the company you've been trying to close forever and call them right after that because that's when you have the best shot. You know, not wait, you know, not like sit back. And it's hard because 
It's also if you've made, you know, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year, and all of a sudden you do really well and you make, you know, three hundred thousand in a year in profit. There's this like an entrepreneur just has this drive to make it four hundred or five hundred. Corporate people sit back and go, "Wow, I don't have to work for two years." You know, and that's not all. I mean, I'm not, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And that just becomes that's a challenge. Um, and that's one of the things I never had to overcome because I was always an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic uh, lesson in that. Um, I spent about six and a half years working, uh, kind of, you know, in a corporate setting, and then uh, been doing my own thing for about five years coming up. So it's almost about to cross. It's that crossover point where I've been kind of in this world longer, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I've become uh, you know part of the community, and you know, I really kind of. I empathize, <laughs> you know, I get the, uh, I really understand that highs and lows thing. Like some days are like top of the world. Some days it's like bottom of the world. And no matter what day it is, you still kind of, like you say, you got to do the blocking and tackling. You got to keep, uh, got to keep pushing ahead. And I, I like that concept about winning the deal and going and kind of finding another deal kind of in the same breath because that's entrepreneurship. So, um, well said. And that's when you're most apt to close that second deal. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, <laughs> I applaud you because I'm sure in the first year or so of doing this, well, after you left your corporate gig, you were probably saying, I could put my resume out there and uh, take a vacation for two weeks and not worry about it. And, you know, that's a, you know, that's hard to, to, to resist that, um, you know, that temptation. Yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's quite different. And, you know, I think I went through a little moment of shock, I guess, short moment of shock, like maybe the first, uh, you know, day or two, but then, you know, something in my mind just clicked, like, you know, this is what we're doing. And, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is the path forward. So glad I did it. Glad you're doing it. Glad we got a chance to do this. Um, Me too. Thank you. Any, um, where can where can the listeners follow your journey? Where can they connect with you? Um, every we're a bespoke TV with a B, no E, so B S P O K E TV um, on all social media, and um, just my first name at Bespoke TV if they want to email me. And uh, yeah, that's.